0: Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime
1: Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio.
0: I discovered that there's a common denominator among many of those ailments that I just named. And that is that toxins, they can either cause or exacerbate all of those illnesses.
1: This podcast is sponsored by the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns, that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans, and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 182 with author Janet Newman. Also welcome our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello,
2: and in this episode, you will learn the three places in your home you need to watch out for toxins, why awareness is the best tool for keeping them out of your home, and a few common sense tips on reducing your toxic load.
1: Thanks, Aurora. We missed you last week. It's Thanks. so nice to have you back. <laughs> it's just not the same without you. Oh, thank you. And as you all know, Lyme disease is an international problem. Each week we have listeners join us from all over the world. And this past week we had listeners from Sweden to South Africa and from Germany all the way down to Australia. Also, a big thank you to all you longtime Lyme ninjas. Aurora and I really appreciate you listening. And we'd like to welcome all the new listeners out there. Welcome to Lime Ninja Radio. We're glad you tuned in. And speaking of tuning in... Our top 10 tune-in cities for the week are...
2: Starting at number 10, Manaphy, California.
1: Number 9, Hyatt'sville, Maryland.
2: Number 8, Burlington, Massachusetts. Number
1: 7, Fenton, Michigan.
2: Number 6, Houston, Texas.
1: Number 5, Bluffton, Indiana.
2: Number 4, New York, New York.
1: Number 3, Grand Rapids, Michigan.
2: Number 2, Utabora, Sweden.
1: And number 1, San Clemente, California. If you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, please head on over to iTunes, leave us a review, click on the stars, and if you have a moment, go ahead and type in your thoughts about Lime Ninja Radio, your comments. Leaving stars and comments helps us rocket up the iTunes list of hot shows, and when we're there, more people hear about Lyme disease and how to take care of themselves. So it's important for us to help Get the word out there, and you can be a big part of that. So, we appreciate you heading over there to iTunes and leaving us a review. Right, Or? Right. And,
2: <laughs> we, of course, what am I going to say otherwise? It's
1: a setup question.
2: <laughs> we are still hosting our weekly giveaway of Dr. Dr. William Rawls's book, Unlocking Lime, the free book giveaway. And you can find that at Lime Ninja Radio, front slash win.
1: Right. Just go to com front slash win and you'll see the entry form there. Just fill out your name and email. It's pretty simple.
2: Last week's winner was Melissa.
1: Yay, Melissa. We'll be sending you an email right away and just send the information. We'll get the book right out to you. Okay, Aurora, tell us a little bit more about this week's guest, Janet Newman.
2: From her website, Janet Newman is a consultant based in Austin, Texas. Her longtime interest in health and nutrition has led her to explore the damage that hidden environmental toxins can do and to discover ways to reduce or eliminate their impact. Janet has a PhD in psychology and a master's degree in social work. She is the mother of two active boys and enjoys organic gardening, riding, yoga, bike riding, and cooking healthy meals for her family.
1: Thanks, Aurora. And here's our interview with author Janet Newman. Hi, Janet. This is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Hi, McKay. How are you? I am quite well. How did you get interested in psychology?
0: Well, um,. You know, I was always kind of fascinated with psychology. Uh, uh, My parents got divorced when I was young, and I was actually, um, I saw a therapist when I was young to help me deal with that. And so that was my first taste of psychology. And then when I was in college, um, I chose to go into pre med. I thought I wanted to be a medical doctor, and I took a bunch of psychology classes because a lot of my friends were doing the same thing and I just became fascinated. Um, so it it's just been something I've enjoyed learning about and um, for a very long time. And I think that the way people think is quite fascinating.
1: It certainly is. And while you were studying for it's- your PhD, you hit the wall, so to speak, with so many life events, and that began your investigation into healthy living.
0: Well, yes, I was going through quite a few health challenges, um, all kind of one right after the other. Um, And part of it was personal, and part of it was that I was helping my mother, who had been diagnosed with cancer, And she was only given three months to live. Um, So we moved her in with us and um, I was dealing with that. My husband was also diagnosed with an autoimmune form of arthritis. Uh, I had several health challenges, including mold toxicity, uh, mercury toxicity, adrenal fatigue. Uh, I was told I had a, a thyroid slight imbalance. Uh, I had leaky gut. I mean, there were so many things going on all at once, and because of my psychology background and studies, I'm a researcher, and so I just kind of dug into anything that I wanted to know more about and um, to help deal with symptoms or um, you know different types of treatments. So, what was really interesting in all of that research was. I discovered that there's a common denominator among many of those ailments that I just named. And that is that toxins, they can either cause or exacerbate all of those illnesses. And it was really interesting to me. I didn't really set out to learn about toxins or research toxins, but I found it curious that in the articles that I would read about cancer or um, obviously mold or mercury toxicity, um, leaky gut, things like that. I, I learned that, wow, you know, toxins are a real problem. So that's what kind of led me on the path to write this book.
1: And in your book, you talk about the body's silo. I think that's an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that?
0: Well, I grew up in the Midwest, so uh, <laughs> being a, grind, a grain silo was not that unusual, um, although I didn't live in the rural part, uh, But for me, when I think of the body's immune system, it, it's easy for me to think of a cylinder where things can build up inside. And in my book, I have a little graphic that kind of shows um, a translucent kind of uh, grain silo in the body, and how different layers of toxicity can build up. And my thought is that the more toxins that we're exposed to, either through ingesting them or applying them on our body or breathing them through our lungs, those toxins, especially the ones that we have no use for whatsoever, um, our bodies have never encounter them before, they just have no use for us, they build up. And if they're building up at a faster rate than our bodies are able to detox from them, then we become very uh, overburdened with these toxins. And when you get up to the top of that silo, uh, that's when disease kicks in. And there's several red flags that uh, can tell you that you're getting close to that silo top, and that are th- those are things like skin um, eruptions or uh, inflammation, uh, different you know headaches, brain fog, things like that that may not really kind of scream out to you that there's a problem, but if there are many of them, you're going to feel pretty unwell,
1: and that's. One of the things that happens with people with Lyme disease is that the toxicity either called by the die-off of the immune system or damage done by Borrelia or other infections, uh, the endotoxins, okay. overfill, overflow the silo, fill up the silo. And then if you have other things going on, like exposure to mercury or lead or aluminum or you have mold somewhere in the house or a past history of that, or mold living in your sinuses, plus all the plastics that you talk about and all the hormone disruptors, all that piles up, and then all of a sudden, you know what you're talking about, you know there's so many diseases out there that are labeled the great imitator, right? Toxicity is yeah. definitely one of those. Lyme is one, and they do seem to have this similar pathway in that our livers. And the detox pathways are simply just overwhelmed, and all that toxicity spills out and starts damaging tissue.
0: Exactly. Yes, and we're seeing rates of autoimmune disorders like we've never seen before, and that is exactly the type of um, scenario that plays out with with the folks that are diagnosed with these autoimmune disorders. Their their bodies just can't handle it more, and so they start kind of attacking their own tissue. Um so yeah, you know, and until a couple of decades ago, we didn't really know what many of these environmental toxins were, let alone how they affected the body. Um so my goal with this book is to inform people of all the different areas where hidden toxins may be and how the body is affected by those. And then I give lots of different, uh, product names and resources, uh, alternative ways to, uh, deal with them. And really I want to empower people to become more, um, informed consumers so that they know what to look for and, you know, they're, they're not kind of hit blindsided, um,
1: with all of these toxins. <laughs> now one of the toxins, and guess we can put quotation marks around it, that you mention in your book and that people with Lyme are always one of the first things they do is take sugar out of their diet. Mm-hmm. And from your point of view, from the Lyme point of view, it's basically the sugars feed bacteria and also some of the bad microorganisms in our gut. But from your point of view, yeah. what is what is the danger of all this sugar that we're eating?
0: Well, sugar, as you know, uh, takes on many different names. Um, I actually list them. I, I don't know if I listed them all, but I listed several of them in my book. I think it's a couple whole page or two. Um, and so we are consuming sugar in rates that we've really, our bodies aren't accustomed to. Um, they're found in toothpaste and, uh, salad dressings, and, you know, all kinds of things that you normally wouldn't uh, think of as even being sweet. Um, So we're just bombarded with all of these sugars. And one of the issues, obviously, is diabetes. So it's really uh, causing a a horrible rate of diabetes in this country. I was just reading last week that uh, 50% of all Americans are either pre-diabetic or diabetic and so i think we really need to take a look at this as a society and start eliminating sugars and as you mentioned um sugar feeds mold as well um it's uh and cancer, yeah, cancer. Absolutely. so th- there's all kinds of reasons why we should eliminate or at least severely decrease the amount of sugar intake that we are consuming. Um, They say that sugar is even more addictive than cocaine. So it's certainly difficult to um, curb your sugar intake, but it's worthwhile.
1: You know, when those Girl Scouts have their tables set outside the grocery store, I do twitch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I find that our taste buds are very malleable. And um, I, there, there are certain uh, sweeteners out there that are more natural, like um, there's stevia, um, there's uh, things like monk fruit, or even, um, you know, small amounts of raw honey that are actually not going to do as much damage um, as one would think. And uh, that, you know, sugar, cane sugar, beet sugar would do. Um, So, uh, you know, there are ways to kind of fool your taste buds. And if you go cold turkey from, you know, just saying zero sugar for a week, you'd be surprised that next bite of sugar that you have, even if it's a strawberry, um, is going to explode in your mouth with sweetness. So we can really train our body to, uh, you know, favor different tastes and flavors than what
1: we're accustomed to. It's so true. I remember one of the first times I stopped sugar for a significant amount of time, probably about a month, and then began to taste the flavors in even vegetables. And I said, like, wow, mm-hmm. wow, that's actually sweet. You know, having something like a, yeah. a carrot or a pea or peas right. becomes a whole different experience when, you're, when your taste buds aren't overrun with with all that sugar. That is for sure. Yeah, I used, I have to confess. Many, many years ago, my my go to snack was a bag of peanut M and M's and a diet Coke. Ouch! <laughs> wow! Ouch! <laughs> it did some permanent. Well, I don't damage. know how you eat
0: now, but I'm I'm assuming you've come a long way. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> those days are long gone. <laughs> yeah. Now you also mentioned though there are toxins found in. Healthy foods are things that we might consider healthy, like you mentioned arsenic in rice and mercury in fish, and you even talk about wine. Now, most people uh, with serious Lyme aren't drinking wine because their livers just need the break, But, but even something like coffee. So what's going on with those foods? Right. Well,
0: the problem with a lot of toxins in our environment is that they're not labeled. Um, you're not going to pick up fish from the supermarket and see on the label that it contains mercury. Um, you're not going to take a glass of water from the tap and right on the glass is going to say contains, um, you know, fluoride, chloramine, and lead. Um, so we have to be more aware of where these hidden toxins are. Uh, and you mentioned the arsenic and the rice. It's just uh, you know, most of it is because of the agricultural runoff that happens, rice grows in water. And so when the groundwater is contaminated, um, that seeps into the rice. So uh, things like coffee, um, coffee is notorious for pesticide, uh, use, uh, the, the coffee fields. They just are one of the most, um, um sprayed crops. In all of existence, so unless you're buying organic coffee, you're definitely taking in pesticide residue, um, and then there's also mold. That um, there's several uh, case studies where there's been mold found on coffee. So my advice, and I talk about this in my book, is you know, just if you're a coffee drinker, and I confess I am, uh, the best thing to do is to you know, get organic coffee, um, store it appropriately, uh, not not where it's going to accumulate any moisture, and um, look for single-source coffee. A lot of times when they're, like, if it's, it's a blend, um, they're kind of masking the flavor of bad beans. <laughs> and they, you see that in, in wine as well. Um, so it's it's but uh, there's a lot of tricks that um, food manufacturers play um, to, you know, boost their bottom line and to keep their shareholders happy. But unfortunately, it's at our expense.
1: And what about decaf coffee?
0: Well, decaf coffee, um, there's a, usually it's done by a chemical process. And again, um, you're taking toxins that you don't need. The one thing I say about decaf, if you prefer that, is on the core a with water process. And it uses water to decaffeinate the beans as opposed to the chemical options.
1: Now moving along, you get into one of the chapters in your book and you talk about all the different kinds of things we're putting on our skin. And yeah. Let's stay away from tattoos. Let's stay away from makeup. <laughs> However, one thing near and dear to the heart of people with Lyme disease is insect repellents.
0: Mm-hmm. So I can see why. Yes. yes. You <laughs> and don't, you don't want to get another tick bite. That's for sure.
1: Exactly. And one of the things that really works well with ticks is DEET.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so what, yeah. what's and, going on there?
0: Okay. Well, D um, is a, a really dangerous toxin. Uh, it was produced in World War II um, to protect the soldiers from, you know, malaria, um, and it is effective. I will give you that. It does keep bugs away. However, uh, it is highly toxic. It. I was surprised to learn that it can actually melt synthetic fabrics and plastic. It can take the paint off of, you know, uh, enamel. So what is that doing to your body? Uh, and unfortunately, they have found that beet does get absorbed through the skin. So I have found in my research, my husband actually was going on a trip last summer to Africa and he was going um, gorilla watching. So there was a lot of, uh, foliage and definitely, um, a, you know, problem with mosquitoes there. And I said, you're not using beet. I know they tell you to, but you're not going to. And so I found a product, um, uh, it's, it, well, the, the trade name is Picaridin and it goes by other, um, uh, you know, names in the market, but, um, the, the actual a chemical that you want to look for it called keratin. And it is they they have found in many different studies to be as effective as beef and it is not toxic to the body, which is really remarkable. Um, there's also another if you're not going to Africa and bushwhacking <laughs> and you're just in your backyard and want to keep the mosquitoes away, you don't have to use something as extreme. But um even uh, oil of lemon eucalyptus uh, is found to be super effective at um, keeping the mosquitoes away. And oftentimes you'll see non-toxic bug sprays with oil of lemon eucalyptus in there as one of the ingredients. And then they'll add other things like citronella, tea tree oil, or lavender, uh, things like that to um, kind of, you know, Helps the insects stay away. What what it is is that it it um, kind of desensitizes and masks the odors of our skin, the lactic acid that we um, exc- uh, excrete uh, when we sweat. Um, the um, your breath gives off a certain scent, mosquitoes, and so what these herbal remedies do is they mask those smell and very well and so it confuses the mosquito they may see you but they don't smell you and so that's how they work
1: so that brings to mind it always seems like there's somebody in the family who the mosquitoes or the bugs like more so maybe <laughs> they, they smell sweeter <laughs> so to speak you know
0: i've heard that it has something to do with the blood type that you have hmm. um hmm. i don't know if that or not, but um, yes, there definitely seems to be people in the family that um, get fit more. I've heard also that if you eat a lot of garlic, it may keep them away. My
1: wife um, swears by that. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Not Not my cup of tea. I'll have a little bit of garlic, but <laughs> I'm not going to eat that much. Yeah. Now, you also mentioned that Deep dissolves plastics. And one of the things that I've been reading about recently is all the plastic fibers in our water. Oh, my goodness. And what? I, I mean, every time you turn around, there's like some other catastrophe going on. So, what's the deal with all this plastic fiber that's around us? And we're talking about microscopic, well, little tiny things here. So, it's not, we're not even talking like the giant yeah. trash bags. We've all seen, and we just got through Earth Day and we've seen all the horrible pictures of. You know, these sea full and rivers full of plastic. We're not talking about that. We're talking about these tiny, tiny little particles.
0: Well, it takes hundreds of years for plastic to break down in the environment. And so what happens is and they never really go away. They just become smaller and smaller and smaller with erosion. And so what happens is these little teeny plastic particles, um, they're everywhere. They're in the fish that we're eating. They're, um, you know, we oftentimes have a, uh, an issue with the microplastics from uh, fleece or acrylic that we um, are uh, washing in the washing machine. And that wastewater that's taking some of those plasticky kind of fibers, Synthetic fibers uh, away; those get into the groundwater, and so there, it, there's so many different avenues where we're finding these microplastics. Um, several years ago, you'd see microbeads in things like exfol- like facial exfoliators or even in laundry detergent. they are starting to phase some of those out, but we're still seeing them and um, those are another source of these little itty bitty bits of plastic. Um, there's been, um, there was a, an article I was reading. I don't know if any of your readers are familiar with Dr. Mercola, but he's, um, uh, a doctor that is online and has wonderful, uh, articles all the time. And I was reading one of them the other day and it said that there were, that there was a study about different, uh, plastic water bottles, and they did these tests to see if there were microplastics in the water. And sure enough, uh, there were. And, and some brands were worse than others, but we're accumulating these plastics really everywhere that we turn. There's some way that we can ingest these plastics. And um, the problem with a lot of these is that they're endocrine-disrupting plastics. And that means that they wreak havoc on your hormones. And a lot of times, these uh, endocrine disruptors, uh, they are actually more powerful than our hormones. So, and when our hormones start going awry, then all other kinds of things start to happen. And it's really a problem that we're kind of just starting to become aware of. And I don't think that people realize um, how easy it is to avoid plastic um, it it just takes a conscious effort and a, and a reminder all the time that glass is safer and steel is safe safer so when we're storing food or drinking out of a you know glass make sure that it's not plastic because we never really know um, what that plastic is made from Um, If it's gotten hot in the sun or in the dishwasher, uh, that heat application will cause the the chemicals in there to leach into your food or water. So if we just start making more of a conscious effort to avoid plastic as much as possible, especially for our food and water storage, um, we're going to be doing our bodies a huge favor.
1: So if we don't trust, excuse me, the water coming out of our tap and go out to the store and buy water in plastic bottles, we may not be doing ourselves any favor.
0: Yeah, and a lot of times uh, there's the water bottling companies. many times aren't required to disclose their water test results to the government or to the municipality that they're in. So we may be getting plain old tap water. We may be getting things that, you know, haven't been filtered for. Um, in water, we have problems with uh, not being able to filter out pharmaceutical drugs, birth control pills, antibiotics, things like that. Our, our water filtration systems at the city level weren't designed to filter out pretty things. So we're getting a lot more than we bargained for. I always say, get a home filter, whether it's a reverse osmosis um, system that you install under the sink, or even if you are renting an apartment or don't want to go through the hassle of doing that, then at least filter your drinking water with something like a Berkey system. And that just sits right on your countertop. The water flows through many different layers of filtration. And you wind up with very clean water uh, without all the contaminants. And take up, you know, stainless steel or a glass bottle of that and carry that around with you for the day. So you're you're really just kind of changing the way you think about convenient water. Um, and if we just kind of think two minutes ahead in the morning and bottle up our own water and take that with us is so much better for you.
1: And what about indoor air quality?
0: Well, there was a study from the EPA that said that our indoor air quality is two to three times worse for you and more contaminated than the outdoor air. I've seen studies that makes that estimate much higher, say that it's, you know, up to a hundred times more toxic. It really is just, it comes down to how tightly we seal our home. We're so worried about uh, saving energy and so we seal up our doors, we seal up our windows. We rarely open the fresh, uh, the windows for fresh air anymore. And, So we're trapping a lot of things that we're not really supposed to be breathing in. Uh, For instance, if you get new carpet or a new mattress or uh, a new couch, all of those things have VOC, solid organic compounds, that are being emitted into the air and you're breathing things in. Um, Certain furniture has formaldehyde. Uh, there's flooring that also can contain formaldehyde or phthalate. I there's so many different things that we can't see or smell, so it's really hard to tell that they're there. But we're becoming more and more aware that these things can and do have an impact on your health, even though you can't see them.
1: Now, for somebody who's stuck in bed because they're in so much pain or the fatigue is so great that really just getting up to take a shower or cook food is all that they have. You Talk Mm -hmm. about indoor houseplants. So what what should they surround their bed with?
0: Well, the bedroom is one of the areas where I think should be the cleanest in terms of air quality because we spend, I mean, if we're getting our eight hours, we're spending, a third of our life in our bedroom. So it's really crucial that that area is is easy to breathe in as possible. There are so many different uh, toxins that can be trapped just in one bed. If we have a foam mattress, which I know that's all the rage right now, is memory foam, contouring your body and all of that. but A lot of these foams are chemically derived, and they off-gas. And then we have issues with um, mattresses being encased in uh, flame retardants. These are also problematic, and there are also mattresses that I discovered. They test, I'm sorry, they uh, coat them in a bed bug repellent. So, I mean, there's so many different components going into mattresses alone. Um, Then I also found that if you like the idea of having wrinkle-free sheets, which who who likes the iron sheets? I certainly don't. But if you are lulled into that marketing ploy of, you know, buy our iron-free sheets, um, they use uh, toxic chemicals. Um, formaldehyde and others, to keep the fibers from wrinkling. So we kind of just have to get really smart about what we're buying, how it's manufactured. I always say, you know, the the more natural, the better. Um, And things like sheets and so forth, just look for phrases that might say antibacterial. Well, how is it antibacterial? Or wrinkle free. How is it wrinkle free? Um, chances are pretty great that they're using chemicals to do that. Um, you brought up house plants. Yes. There are numerous house plants that help clean the air, and uh, it's beneficial to surround yourself with uh, these house plants. They also give off beneficial oxygen. So that's helpful. I wouldn't say that. You should only rely on house plants to clean your air, or, you know, that you'd have to have quite a few. But there are also other things that you can do, like um, HEPA filtration systems. Maybe put one of those in your bedroom. if You want to sleep with very clean air. Those will eliminate things like, um, pet dander and moles and certain viruses and the VOCs so that really helps to kind of pull all of those um, and, and cleanse the air for you. So there's many things that you can do to decrease the toxicity of your bedroom.
1: Do you use a, a filter, an air filter in your house? We do. Ours just broke. So I'm kind of in the market oh, no. for a new one. Yeah. It, Anyway, one too many well, drops. I list
0: several, <laughs> oh yeah, I list several different kinds in my book, uh, and and also you know the other thing too that people forget about is humidity. Mm. Uh, I live in Texas, where it gets very humid at certain times of the year, especially in the summer. And so we had an issue with mold in our home at one point, and so we decided to install a very, uh, it was basically a commercial grade um, dehumidifier for our home. But when your house gets too humid, you're kind of inviting uh, mold to grow. And uh, it doesn't take much for mold to appear. And uh, a lot of times it can be hidden in air ducts or behind walls. But those... um give off mycotoxins, many of them, and that can also impact your health and create problems that didn't exist before the mold
1: came. Now, were you able to clean up your house or did you have to move?
0: We did clean up our house. It was about a year-long remediation. Uh, It was pretty intense because it was in a few locations. We had moved into our home and had no idea Uh, you know, you go through the inspection process and you just assume that your inspector does a good job and looks for all of these things. But, um, our, we had an improperly installed shower pan, guest shower. And so it was flat instead of curved. And so whenever somebody had showered in there, the water would seep through the wall and get behind the wall. And there was no way to tell. without a moisture meter you know, something that a, a mold inspector would have uh, because it wasn't wet on the outside. So that was one of the issues. We also had a, a storage unit that was partially underground and that was, uh, uh, very moldy in there. Um, but we didn't know because, you know, you think of mold as being black and on a wall and this was more of a dust form. So it was kind of, um, and it was an unfinished basement as well, or it's uh, storage area. So it was really hard to tell. Um, there was a certain odor, but you know you couldn't really determine where it was coming from. And um, so there, you know, there are so many different areas where mold can grow. It's not just areas where you think are humid, like bathrooms or laundry rooms. And um, so we we did we love our house, so we. Spent the time and money to do it right, and um, we knocked down walls and um, had, you know, had the filtration systems going twenty four seven. It was very disruptive, but I'm glad to say that we know what to look for now, and we're vigilant about cleaning up any kind of spill, even if it's minor. Um, and uh, we put this humongous dehumidification system to avoid problems in the
1: future. Now, as we wrap up here, I can't leave without talking about antibiotics. As many mm-hmm. people with Lyme have been on long-term, long-term oral antibiotics and some even yes. long-term IV antibiotics uh, for months and even for years. Mm-hmm. So what wow. are you seeing with antibiotics that you're listing that as a toxin?
0: Well, I want to point out that um, I am definitely uh, in the camp of if you need it, you know, use it. Um, and I know that in, in Lyme patients, if you catch the Lyme uh, infection immediately, that a uh, round of antibiotics is the recommended thing to do because you can kind of kill it before it really manifests throughout your body. Um, so, you know, in many cases, antibiotics are life-saving and I'm I'm not anti-antibiotic by any means, but, um, long-term antibiotics are concerning, um, because it destroys the good bacteria as well as the bad and antibiotics, unfortunately, um, can't tell the difference between good bacteria and bad bacteria in your gut. So it is very difficult to repopulate uh, all the beneficial flora in your body by taking a probiotic if you're on constant antibiotics. Um, you have to take them at different times of the day because if you, <laughs> I've learned this the hard way, if you take a probiotic and an antibiotic within an hour of each other, the antibiotic will kill the good probiotic. Um so you really have to be vigilant about separating the two. I list antibiotics as a toxin because um, in many cases, we're ingesting antibiotics without even knowing it. Um, if we are eating uh, conventional dairy products, conventional meat products, we are probably, I, I can say with... certainty that you are also ingesting antibiotics that you weren't really aware of. And it's because in these factory farms, uh, the animals are in such tight quarters that they're given antibiotics so that they won't infect each other with different illnesses. So they may not even be sick, but they're getting the antibiotics anyway. And so those antibiotics are in the tissue of the flesh that we're we're eating. Um so the problem with all of these antibiotics is not only that they destroy the beneficial flora in our gut, but it's also creating a worldwide problem with antibiotic resistant bacteria. And that opens up a whole other topic of discussion, but It it causes your body to not be able to fight off infection later down the road if that should happen because that that bacterial will say, oh, well, I've already seen that antibiotic. That's not going to do anything for me. I'm going to mutate or become stronger. And so in hospitals all over the world, we've seen antibiotic-resistant bacteria Uh, outbreak where any antibiotic we have on the market is just not going to work for that particular infection. So that's a really scary thing. And, um, I think that the more we use antibiotics as a last resort or in times of, you know, emergency, that is fine. But to take it on a daily basis or to continue to eat meat and dairy products that are laden with antibiotics Um, so we're getting a dose every day i think that's adding to our problems with antibiotic resistant bacteria that's
1: such an important point i forget the the exact data on that but the use of antibiotics in the farming industry uh, animal husbandry far Mm -hmm. outweighs the amount of antibiotics that we've taken and most people don't think of antibiotic as uh, as something that they're feeding to cows and chickens and sheep and whatever else is being raised in, in confinement farms, even if you are from yeah. the Midwest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Unfortunately, it's everywhere.
1: Janet, you've been incredibly generous with your time. And I'd you like so you, you you're very, very welcome. And I'd like to give you the last word, including where can people find this wonderful book that you've written and where can they find out more about you?
0: Oh, well, I want to thank you for having me on your show. It's been wonderful speaking with you and, uh, I hope that I can help some of your listeners. um, so you can find me at the website livinginthechemicalage.com. Um, my book is also found on Amazon. Um, just type in Living in the Chemical Age, or you can type in my name, Janet Newman, and uh, it should pop up there in the search box. And um, yeah, if you have any questions about chemical toxicity, I have a section on my website where you can contact me. And uh, just write your question there, and I'll get back to you.
1: Terrific. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you.
2: This was a very interesting episode. And, you know, I am reminded of... That period of time when mom was washing dishes with a magic erase, with a Mr. Clean magic erase, and we had to ask her to stop.
1: It was doing my head in. Yeah. I just couldn't imagine what chemicals were coming out of that thing onto the pots and pans and dishes and knives. and But it did make everything really clean.
2: Everything was really clean. I just got really worried about what was yeah like you said what was being left on there
1: yes we are living in a chemical age aren't we yeah and surrounded by all kinds of things we know are toxic to us and then some things that we may not even think of so the more you can eliminate that stuff give your liver a rest let it work on detoxing all the effects from lyme disease instead of your environment i think that's a big message and Janet's book is a great start for how to begin to take the toxins and the toxic things out of your life. If you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, please head on over to iTunes, leave us a review. And if you really like what we're doing, please think about becoming a patron. To do that, just head on over to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And just search for Lime Ninja Radio, you will find us there. And you can make a pledge, a monthly donation to us at a very affordable $3 a month. Or there's the $10 a month, which is a little bit more of a bite, but still we think very, very modest. And at the $10 level, we will send you a copy of our top 10 transcripts.
2: Yes. The Lime Ninja Top 10 transcripts are the concentrated wisdom of three years of podcast episodes featuring experts like Dr. Richard Horowitz, the real food rebel, Brenda Constantino, and nutrition genetic expert, Bob Miller.
1: Thanks, Aurora. If you have feedback f- for us, please.